and welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink. And today we'll be talking about 2003's Save the Green Planet, with an exclamation point at the end, directed by yes. Jang Jun Hwan. It follows the story of a disgruntled young man named Lee byung gu played brilliantly by Shin Ha-kyun, who is convinced that aliens from the planet Andromeda are plotting to destroy the Earth. Believing that a rich businessman named Kang is the leader of the aliens, Lee kidnaps him and subjects him to torture to try to coerce a confession of his crimes against humanity. Hunker down in your bunker and get ready to fight for the Earth. This is Save the Green Planet. So, Jeremy, a lot to get into with this film, uh, but before we do that, this is after a bit of a, I guess you call it a break, or mm-hmm. an unintended break. Um, there's a lot going on in the world, and in our lives, I guess. Uh, so just, I, I think mostly we were, we were too busy to <laughs> to sit down and, and watch a movie and, and do the show, but um, we were going to attempt to do a, a series again, uh, as we usually do here, but uh, we both kind of decided that maybe a one-off episode would be for the best and maybe allow us to ease back into it a bit um and you had suggested this film save the Mm -hmm. green planet from 2003 uh which i had never seen and you had seen recently right yeah so uh part of the reason we've been on hiatus although it's just a little chunk of time but certainly kind of threw my life into a little bit a little bit of disarray was that back at the beginning of april i actually was unfortunately uh, lucky or unlucky enough to get COVID, which kind of put me mm. on the shelf for a couple weeks and then threw me in catch-up mode for a couple weeks after that. <laughs> but a, a positive that came out of that was that during that time, while I was wrapped up on the couch in a blanket, not doing anything for two <laughs> weeks straight, uh, I was able to watch this movie. Uh, so that, yeah. it, you know, it's unfortunate origins, but maybe led to something <laughs> good. <laughs> Right. You had time to watch a lot of movies. A lot of movies, yes. So I guess that's a positive, but of course, we're glad you're feeling better. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, keeping busy, right? You said you were doing some writing. Yeah, so I've been, uh, just to update, you know, I've been working on a horror movie script lately. Um, Won't give too many details, but it's kind of a a one location horror film with, uh, that's kind of based around a couple moving into the young kind of parenting phase of their life but also mm-hmm. dealing with family members and, and our connections to family members and how that plays into us growing up into adulthood. Um, so a little bit of a character-driven horror film. And I, yeah, I've been writing that and hoping to awesome. finish that up soon and hopefully make it. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I mean, things are starting to uh, return to normal a little bit out in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, did this movie that we watched, uh, Save the Green Planet, did that kind of influence you at all? Or was that just part of... Uh, yeah. yeah, stylistically, because I was started writing this script pretty much a couple of days before I got COVID. So a lot mm-hmm. of my brainstorming and, you know, formulating of the ideas happened while I was having that 10 day long, you know, under the blanket movie marathon. So definitely, <laughs> definitely the style from the movies fever like dreams this. helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the fever <laughs> dreams definitely. Well, it's interesting. I would say I won't get into too many details because it's still being developed. But the, the script I started writing originally didn't really have a lot of bo- body horror. Uh, mm-hmm. elements but by the time I was done having COVID for 10 days 
um, there was a lot of body horror in the script. So it's like, you know, we, we, we sure. write what we know and what we're experiencing. Right. And I think exactly. Sa- Save the Green Planet is a movie that, although not necessarily traditionally would be considered body horror, mm-hmm. um, kind there's of gets moments. into that. There's yeah. some moments. And I think some movies like like this, I watched a lot of Cronenberg during that time. Oh, well, there you go. Um, you know, you know, all, all of That'll that do kind it. of stuff. Um, there, there's a really great uh, movie called Dumplings. Um, so I don't know. Oh, we're, we're kind of that. we're kind yeah. of going off the going off the track here, but um, yeah, well, we can do that. We're not talking about a series. We can yeah, yeah. Right now, we're, pretty we're, much yeah. say whatever we want at this point. Yeah. Um, just because uh, I, li- I like to mention uh, when we mention a movie, Dumplings is directed by a director named Fruit Chan. Um, so you've been watching you... a lot of South Korean films. Is that is that one of them or? Uh, so no, so so uh, Dumplings is actually Hong Kong cinema. Oh okay. So yeah, so so not South Korean, but but hmm. you know stylistically definitely share some some traits with a movie like okay. save the green planet cool so what, what have you been up to mark i've just been doing a lot of writing because you know partly because covid and you know things it's a little bit harder i'm sure you know to get out there and to film and, and get a crew together and all of that i mean it can be done it's just mm-hmm. a little bit harder and um it's also very time consuming i've just been uh, you know i haven't had too much time lately so i've been writing a lot um, and I actually was able to finish a novel I was working on. It was released this past March. And where can uh, we find it? So it's called Art Farm. And you can find it on Amazon or, you know, I guess Barnes & Noble, like any any of the major uh, retailers for books. Um, you should be able to find it on there. Also, uh, uh graphic novel I wrote a long time ago that was uh, actually recently came out, I guess, probably late last year. Um, that's out there as well. And that you, that you can also find on Amazon. It's called Office Days, Days with a Z. Um, and that's just sort of like a surreal kind of uh, stream of consciousness, uh, dark humor, um, sort of like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't mean to segue there, but yeah. So anyway, you can check those out if uh, you're so inclined. There, You should be able to find both of those on Amazon. And I really appreciate it because... Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much where my time's been going into, just doing a lot of writing, uh, working on some short stories now and another novel. So kind of going in that direction right now. Um, but that's awesome to hear that you're working on a, a, another feature, man. And, I mean, I, I like the short I saw a lot um, that, that you showed me. And so I, just, I can't wait to see more from you, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm excited. Definitely excited. Yeah. And, yeah, and please please support Mark and buy his, yeah. buy his book because it's always, it feels good to support independent artists making art uh, Thank that you. they're passionate Appreciate about. It. So definitely yeah. do that. Thanks, man. And support Jeremy because he's, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I can't wait to see where you go with a feature film. It's going to be something. Because mm-hmm. uh, our tastes certainly align. And, and you knew when you saw this movie, you were like, Mark, Indeed. You, you, you might have to watch this. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of how this started. You really just kind of suggested it out of the blue because um, we were talking about different series that we could, you know, because we have a lot of series in the works. Uh, but it, something about it just seemed a little daunting right now. I don't know if it's just like too much going on in the world or, mm-hmm. you know, that mixed with busyness or whatever. But um, we couldn't really get it together for that. But we, we figure, hey, we'll just we'll ease back in with one movie. And that movie is Save the Green Planet. Indeed. Uh, so um, I guess do you want to start off? I don't know. I guess talking about it and just saying maybe why you thought it'd be good for the show. Yeah, so I, I, like I said, I saw this movie when I was sick, and the way I came across this movie is I was, uh, I, I came across an interview with the director, Ari Aster, who's responsible for Hereditary and Midsummer, which are obviously big horror films, and he was just talking about some of his favorite movies, and this mm-hmm. one came up, and I feel like I had heard of most of the other films that he was mentioning, you know, I remember he was mentioning Don't Look Now and Rosemary's Baby oh, yeah. and a lot of kind of big classics, 
but I had never heard of, heard of this one, so I kind of stumbled hmm. across it and okay. was able to find it on the Criterion channel. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it's still up there or not. I um, Yeah, I hard to find film, so. for sure. A little sure. bit of a hard one to find. But yeah. if you can get your hands on it somehow, um, physical media obviously always would encourage that if it's out there. Uh, Although yeah, IMDb is, is telling me that apparently this is available on Amazon as well. Yes, yeah, so. so maybe, maybe yeah, so, so, so if you can find it. Um, but yeah, as we mentioned, this is, this is, so this is a kind of interesting movie to play. So just to go through plot a little bit, as we mentioned, it's the story of this young man named Lee, who is kind of a conspiracy theorist, which is interesting to look at uh, in the year 2021, when there's so much discussion of conspiracy theories <laughs> yeah. and uh, what's, mm-hmm. what's real, what's not real, um, mm-hmm. who decides that uh, aliens from Andromeda are going to destroy the planet, and this man named Kang, who is a very wealthy businessman, but as we start to learn later in the movie, um, maybe has some personal connections to our main character, Lee, and his family and his background. Uh, he's decided that this man, Kang, is the leader of the aliens, and so he kidnaps uh, Kang, and along with his uh, girlfriend named Suni, uh, they kind of put Kang through the ringer and, and mm-hmm. torture him in all kinds of interesting... Yeah, uh, very inventive ways. <laughs> and this is one of those movies where if you didn't know anything going in, which I, I certainly didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. I, I had watched the trailer mm-hmm. and checked out the IMDb page and that was pretty much it. So um, going into it, you really don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I, I knew there was something about aliens, but other than that. Um, so, yeah, it, it plays a lot like uh, a horror film. Actually, we were talking about this a little bit before we started today. But, uh you know, it's labeled as, a, I guess, a dark sci-fi comedy, which it definitely is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of comedic moments and certainly some sci-fi uh, elements in there. But, um, yeah, it played a lot like a, <laughs> I don't want to say Saul, but like, um, mm-hmm. you know, just a, or audition, you know, some, uh, a film like that where, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've been called torture porn because there was a lot of them actually around this time period there was a lot yeah uh, around the early 2000s a lot of horror films mm-hmm. uh where there was a lot of torture and, and scenes like that um and this kind of plays into that a little bit but obviously it's a, a very different take on it yeah i it, it's interesting and this is something that that i found i i personally um am really really drawn to uh, contemporary korean cinema I, I haven't seen too many older korean films but in the last you know 20 years or so is that it almost seems like the norm amongst um, a lot of Korean filmmakers. And obviously we had uh, Parasite, which was a runaway hit a few years yeah. ago, which is a perfect example. But then you, you dig a little bit deeper into like Old Boy, um, you know, that's like Park Chan-wook, um, Lee Chang-dong, who, who did the film Burning a few years ago, which is really interesting. But, but there seems to be an inclination to create films that blend genres. Whereas in American filmmaking, it seems that there's... An encouragement, which once again probably comes back to the fact that American cinema is a lot more driven by industry, um, mm-hmm. is that American films te- seem to sit more cleanly in genres, whereas mm-hmm. in Korean film, it seems like part of the challenge for the mm-hmm. filmmakers is how many different genres can you work in um, to a single piece? Because in this one, mm-hmm. it, it, it's interesting because I Mark has watched this film once. Um, I've now watched it twice. And it's the same thing. Watching it the first time, I saw a little bit of the humor, but same thing. It it did feel maybe a little bit more like a horror film to me. Dark comedy there, but yeah, more of a horror film. But watching Mm -hmm. it this time, I saw a lot more of the dark comedy. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, always on this show, disclaimer, we're going to spoil the film. So if you have not seen it, um, please pause. Go watch it and then and then come back. Um, But you know, knowing the the ending of this film, oh yeah, that's um, 
Which, that was a big laugh. Which game, will give you sure. one, two, three, four, five <laughs> seconds to pause in case you don't know it. The big ending is that the, the everything that Lee has theorized about um, Kang and him being an alien turns out to be 100% true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think knowing that, watching it the second time, this film took on a much more comedic tone. Um, yeah. Because when he's not torturing a person, he's torturing an alien it's funny, you know, like, like it is funnier that way. You're it, right. It's funny because, because you're like, Oh, yeah. like, like this, he's yeah. actually, what he's doing is, is very valiant. He's trying to save the planet mm-hmm. and he's, he's maybe going about it in a bit of an extreme way. Mm-hmm. But what, th- what this alien is trying to do to him and his people is extreme. So, so, oh, so yeah. when you take that human element out of it and you don't see a guy, you know, having mm-hmm. uh, what is it like icy hot or something like, like basically <laughs> icy hot rubbed on his, wounds and eyeballs and instead you see it as an alien who Mm -hmm. those are his only weak spots and that's the only way to extract information it's not quite as dark Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of more of like a hero journey yeah i mean that's actually exactly what i was about to say i was going to say the main character thinks he is on this noble quest Mm -hmm. like he he thinks he's on a mission to save earth from aliens um and he really believes it. So he's, you know, he's fully committed. Uh, although very early on, you start to obviously question things like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, maybe there's something going on in his brain or you're not really sure what's going on. Um, you do know there's backstory that, that obviously you don't, you're not aware of yet. And that kind of, uh, you know, throughout the film, you, you get to uh, see more of that and you get to learn a lot about him, um, especially about his mother, which we'll talk about. Um and so, actually, it's also a little bit revenge uh, because mm-hmm. his, you know, he thinks that they've they've done something with his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to just really quickly mention that the uh, this main character um, of Lee, uh, played by Shin Ha Kyun, he is really good in this. I mean, they mm-hmm. everyone in the film is good, honestly. Like every, the acting is is really top notch all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his character or his acting in, in particular kind of stood out to me um, because, in a way, he makes his character actually sympathetic like yeah. even bef- even before you know that it is all true and i think even before he knows because i feel like part of him maybe doesn't <laughs> fully yeah, no, it, i'm but, sure i'm sure he questions but it. he's kind of just going for it and uh yeah just the way he continues to to fight and try to outsmart these people and and just fight for what he thinks is going on um it's just uh i thought it was really well done and uh, you know another film another actor maybe i wouldn't have believed it as much mm-hmm. or been as as along for the ride or has been as sympathetic to him because he, he's acting irrationally and dangerously throughout the film so, totally. um, so yeah. i thought that was really cool that he, he was able to pull that off with his great acting there so yeah so i guess he's tortured a lot of people uh, yeah many, well, so, so i guess most of them were executives we find out later but so right. that's kind of yeah. the one the one point in the film where i guess if we were to say it is a horror film that's where it really yeah kind of becomes like a horror film is is uncovering the labyrinth uh, of yeah, yeah. And, and we have this, victims. this detective character which i think was another a fun dynamic um, mm-hmm. Yeah, where there's like this director, and you think he's this this smooth talking. His name is uh, Inspector Chu, I believe, is the older director. Yeah, uh, or the older director, older uh, uh, detective. Detective, yeah. And yeah, so uh, so yeah, Detective Chu, and then Inspector Kim is this younger detective, and you think mm-hmm. it's going to be this kind of story where the older inspector, you know, really knows what he's doing. And he's got everything figured out. And he's kind of fast talking. He's like doing this thing where he's flipping a coin. And then that guy ends up getting stung to death by bees, you know, and like <laughs> a hell of a death. Yeah, that was yeah, hell of a <laughs> not death. see that and, coming. And so, so it's yeah. like, like one of the things, and that's why I say it, it's a movie that doesn't really feel like comedy the first time you watch it, because mm-hmm. the comedy is so dark and so gruesome. You know, a lot of the time mm-hmm. we see dark comedy and 
you know, someone will die in a film in a dark comedy and it's played as comedy and we don't really feel, Mm -hmm. uh, we don't viscerally feel that pain or that death. Whereas in this film, what's so interesting is, and I think it's probably just because it's so well done. Um, I, I think one thing that, um, that Jang Jun Hwan has a real talent for is textures, um, mm-hmm. which I think is a big, a yeah. big thing for when you're doing violent movies. Mm-hmm. And this very is very visceral. Yeah. yeah, this is a very violent movie. But he he has a real sense of textures and making mm-hmm. you feel what's happening. Like for example, we, we mentioned before, there's a scene where um, the our main characters Su, uh, Lee and Suni rub the top of Kang's feet raw. And put this kind of mentholated, icy hot. I don't. I don't know what else to call it besides icy hot. Yeah. Um, balm to kind of burn him, but just the the seeing the, the that texture and just that the association we all have with something like that and knowing <laughs> what that would feel like and just these yeah. really subtle close ups. Very 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 mm-hmm. good work with the. Um, I guess I don't know if it's prosthetics or just makeup. How they pulled yeah. that off. Um, I'm I'm sure we'll mention it later, but when he's when the executive who's captured is pulling himself off of a, he was essentially crucified at one point. He's Mm -hmm. pulling his hands through the nails. I mean, scenes like that where they really like kind of linger and and they're close in on it and everything. Um, Yeah. Really well done. um, And definitely (laughs) gives you the horror movie vibe, but yeah. And that's the Um, thing. I think it makes it a little less funny because it's so well done. mm -hmm, It it, it makes it out out of context or even in context because you feel it. It makes you cringe. Whereas mm-hmm. yeah. uh, a, a lot of dark comedies won't actually take it that far, they'll they'll kind yeah. of they'll kind of either make it so outlandishly silly, like there'll be like blood spurting everywhere, and yeah. it's like oh that doesn't feel real, or yeah, they they, they, they don't didn't go show too you at all. But right. yeah, but but this film I feel like hit that balance. It was like where, just enough. Yeah, yeah. like like it, like if you saw that scene in a gangster movie, mm-hmm. it would feel really serious really intense like yeah. dead serious dead intense and mm-hmm. i think that's the thing where like you kind of have that ooh moment but when you think about like there's the thing where he burns so as i know we're just kind of doing a greatest hit jumping of the, around the torture <laughs> here but uh yeah. w- but when he burns kang's chest with the irons mm-hmm. like that's a hilarious <laughs> visual gag the, the iron marks on his chest that's yeah. really yeah. funny but once again that's really painful and it feels yeah. painful the way they do it well, it's, it's that, I mean, that's one of the main things I wanted to talk about with this movie is that it's that kind of ping-ponging back and forth yeah. between the style. Like you mentioned it earlier that they kind of mix genres and styles and things like that. And uh, they, they certainly do that here. Um, mm. And that's kind of what makes it interesting and, and really entertaining. Um, and it very much, you know, part of why the movie feels <laughs> maybe so fun, I guess, to mm-hmm. me, is it, it very much has that early 2000s vibe yeah. where um, I'm, I'm certainly a fan of, of movies from that era. Mm-hmm. Um, it has like a lot of, you know, energetic, quick cutting, uh, lots of creative, uh, sorry, lots of camera movement, mm-hmm. uh, lots of creative editing going on, um, zany off the wall characters. You know, we see like a lot of the... I don't know. A lot of films around that time, you see a lot of these kind of things yeah. in there, and and um, we haven't talked about many films from that time period yet, mm. but uh, on the show. But I feel like um, there was a lot of experimenting going on in this film, uh, both in the actual filmmaking techniques used, um, you know, because this was around the time when nonlinear digital editing was becoming more prevalent mm-hmm. and was becoming the new standard. But um, so it was kind of early on in that process, which is why uh, a lot of films from this time period, I think, feel 
almost experimental with their yeah. editing. Mm-hmm. Like they're kind of jumping around back and forth because it's like now they had this freedom, right? It's like yeah. now we we take it for granted now, but mm-hmm. think about that going from the the steam bed to the you know the actual cutting with actual film to yeah. um, you know well then it went to video for a little bit for certain projects, but for mm-hmm. films, I yeah. mean. When they they would now had free reign. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, the tools weren't as advanced as they are now, obviously, but yeah. um, still, just having that freedom, um, you can kind of feel it in movies from this time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like the idea of repeating shots, mixing in effects. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, it, totally. it, yeah. yeah, like no, uh, totally. certain certain movies, like Rules of Attraction. I don't know if you ever seen that come to mind. I haven't actually. Um, but um, yeah, just and also in story structure and uh, the mm-hmm. types of characters we saw depicted on the screen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also another, uh, I actually was reminded of another movie we talked about, Jeremy, um, Dark Star, oddly enough, mm-hmm. because we had discussed that, and obviously that's a sci-fi movie, and that's that's more like hard sci-fi, I guess you would call it, with some comedy hard elements yeah. in there. Um, but uh, this this film, Save the Green Planet, was also a very cool, low-budget way uh, to make a sci-fi movie, which I'm mm-hmm. always like, I'm always into that, you know, because I. Because actually, I made a like a movie about aliens. I don't know when I was younger, and I, I tried to find ways to do it. Because I'm like, oh, I can't really show a UFO, and mm-hmm. you know, so I so you have to get creative with that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, basically, it gives you a different take on it, and that's what this film does. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, more comedic and more psychological. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I always find that sort of thing interesting and, and usually worth checking out um, just to see something that maybe you've seen a, a, a lot before um, done in a different way. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it, it is yeah. another thing that I think is interesting with this film that I that I, that I found myself thinking about more on the second watch is kind of the scope, um, and and there are things you know full like 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 I I really enjoy this movie. There are things about it that even after two watches are still vague and don't make sense to me. Um, like the story <laughs> with the mother is a little bit confusing. I, I think I maybe have a slightly better sense. And and if anyone who's listening has seen this film and and you have any more um, yeah. ideas, we'd love to hear it because because once again, there's some stuff out there on this movie. Um, you know, but there's there's not a ton of critical, um, at least not that I was able to find a, a lot of a lot of critical discussion that has happened at least in a in a public, documented way, out mm. there about this movie, or at least yeah. not in English. You know that I, maybe maybe in Korea there, there's more attention paid to this movie and and it's more of a, a landmark film for them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so we, I'd love to hear. Um, but one thing that I think was really interesting that struck me is the social commentary that's present mm-hmm. in this film that I didn't notice yeah. so much on the first watch mm-hmm. um, because I think I was just too caught There's up. There's not in the much end. of it, but what, yeah, what's there is, is good. It's there, yeah. 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 Like the absurdity in the, in, in the mm. movie, I think kind of, kind of uh, hides some of the mm-hmm. social commentary, but I think there, there's a lot of it there, especially there's a few things. A is that the, the guy who is the alien or who we suspect to be the alien is a very wealthy businessman. And mm-hmm. the thing that, we don't question a lot because we, we do feel sympathy for him, but ultimately, whether he's an alien or not, he's still doing cruel things to working class people as a wealthy mm-hmm. businessman. So, so I think there's definitely a commentary on classism, but also specifically how like a capitalist system <laughs> affects mm. the people who are at yeah. the bottom of that system and how like we, we look at you know, a character like Lee and it's easy to say, oh, he's crazy, but that's somebody who's watched like his family members suffer. Yeah. As you start to learn more about him. Yeah. yeah. And and it's vague, but it seemed like something maybe happened with his dad having an industrial accident and like, yeah, 
yeah, something about an accident, and and then I guess he was abusive after that. So yeah, so so you like, get some backstory. Yeah. So so I think there's definitely a statement in here about kind of capitalist greed and how that has a ripple effect and can mm-hmm. just totally tear lives apart and make people quote unquote yeah. crazy. Well, but. There- there's a statement on humanity in general, I think, towards yeah. the end. You start to realize, yeah, mm-hmm. what they're kind of saying about people. <laughs> it's not exactly optimistic, but maybe realistic. No, it's dark. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, mean how, how, did, how did you feel? Because we do get a lot of backstory at some point. We do. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I, I, well, I was going to start to go through, because um, we haven't really started actually going. Sure, not, we, not that we're going to go. Around uh, a little bit, yeah. yeah, we're jumping around a lot. And there's a lot to talk about. So let me just, mm-hmm. um, so we, we've already established that uh, the main character of Lee has captured uh, this executive and he uh so he's exec- executive of a pharmaceutical company correct i believe so yeah and or then, like, a, so, like an experimental research right experimental research okay so he's kidnapped him and brought him to his i guess you could call it a bunker or lab like a secret mm-hmm. lab that he has in this and uh, i guess it's essentially like the desert there yeah. um kind of just out in the middle of nowhere um so they're kind of hidden away and he's you know torturing this guy, and at first you're not really sure what to make of it, um, but then eventually it's revealed that he, that Lee thinks that this man Kang is an alien, um, and that you know, like a humanoid alien that uh, is answering to a leader, um, and Lee would like to speak with the prince because he knows there's a prince, and he would like to have some words with him. Um, and we do find out pretty early on that this is related to his mother, uh, Lee's mother, and we're not sure exactly why at first. And, and like you said, Jeremy, I'm not sure if we're ever meant to know exactly what happened mm-hmm. with with her. But um, we get the idea that there's some either some experimenting going on uh, with the the pharmaceutical drugs, or maybe she was in the hospital for a different reason altogether. And mm-hmm. and again, maybe he just thinks. Uh, Lee just thinks that, you know, and some kind of paranoid idea that that they have drugged her or done something to her to make her go into this coma, which she's currently in. Um, so mm-hmm. she that's where uh, his mother is at, at the start of the film. And uh, so he's you know, he Lee is torturing this man with his girlfriend, Suni, uh, who I want to talk mm-hmm. about because very interesting, very quirky. Uh, she's essentially yeah. a cir- circus performer, I believe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which kind of comes into play later, but not really, which I, I think is I actually kind of like that. It doesn't really come into play. It's just sort of, it all comes into play. It, 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 it's it's, it's an aside is it comes into play because at some point she has to, in the middle of a fight, pull off a circus move. <laughs> Do like a, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of backstory yeah. to give for one yeah, gag. Get... <laughs> but like that, yeah. that's what's so fun about it. It's like this movie's just, it's just, there's so it's many, off the wall. Yeah. For it's sure, just so right? off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, of um, course she's that, a circus performer. <laughs> like, like, what else would she be? Yeah. Why would you question it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so she's kind of just along for the ride and it seems like she, I guess, believes Lee or at least just likes being with him and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe has some self-esteem issues. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, she is fed into it. And, you know, we see this in real life too, people feeding into conspiracy theorists and things like that. So it's not totally out of the realm of believability. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're introduced uh, early on to a detective character who you mentioned, Detective Chu. Uh, who I liked a lot. I thought he was a really good character, mm-hmm. uh, although he doesn't stick around too long. But yeah. he's well, and, sort and of like your t- sorry, your typical, uh, yeah, sure. But but that's also one one thing with that detective um, is if if you watch a lot of Korean movies, that's that character is kind of a common trope. Okay. In Korean cinema, at least in in the movies I've seen, where you'll get that kind of like mm-hmm. fast talking cool detective you either get the fast talking cool detective or the totally incompetent idiot detective and but but <laughs> well, a lot of the time like a like a like a parody of a yeah detective. he was, he was like almost kind of both detective. yeah yeah and, and a lot of the time in the movies by the end they kind of figure it out but mm-hmm. like 
in this movie, he's, he's he seems like he's the fast talking detective, uh, okay. but he's really the incompetent. Artist. Okay, so it's like turning the trope on its head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it also reminded me a bit of Hitchcock, but we'll we'll get into that mm-hmm. um, when that, that scene comes. But so we have this detective character who, again, I did like. I thought he was funny, and um, this younger detective who wants to like kind of be on the case with him, detective or Inspector Kim. Uh, he wants to go along with them and he's <laughs> he's talking about how much he admires his work and I, I, later on uh inspector chu makes a comment like i thought you were a fan you know like when they're talking on the phone he's like are you listening to me i thought you were a fan or something like that mm-hmm. i thought that was funny um but yeah so little moments like that and I, I like that that's kind of like a more almost like police procedural procedural mm-hmm. kind of uh plot going on um as they're trying to figure out what's you know what what happened to this executive because he's a very high-ranking executive and he kind of just disappeared um and we're also introduced to Lee's dog named Earth, <laughs> who I enjoyed. And he uh, he promises to feed him some nice alien meat if he's a good boy. Um, <laughs> and it's just like throw away. Like, it's just like a random cut to where he's like talking to his dog. It's just, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, Lee basically wants to meet with this alien prince. Um, and uh, again, there's this poor girlfriend who's along for the ride. Um and she has to endure his mood swings. There's a little bit mm-hmm. of hint. So this is another thing. Like, there's a hint of kind of verbal abuse. Yeah. Uh, when he mm-hmm. he's kind of screaming at her, and and this is another thing that would immediately make you dislike this main character. But again, mm-hmm. the acting is it's just so well done that um, it's kind of like you still want to stick with him. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, that ping ponging back and forth uh, between extremes, which I think adds to the darker elements of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and one moment in particular that I noted, uh, we're seeing something revealed um, that has been deeply repressed inside the main character's mind um, as he's torturing the man we're kind of cutting back to scenes in his life like his childhood um, again there's like an abusive father and uh, you know he was uh, picked on a lot in high school there's a lot of things about like bullying and and stepping on the little kid and stuff like that um, and he starts to kind of act out violently and, and you know stuff like that at school um, and then the next moment we're watching his girlfriend practicing a circus act like a high wire act um before putting a bucket down so that uh, the prisoner can relieve himself um you know it's like almost like this endless stream of urine that comes out so it's like these two (laughs) and it's like these scenes happen back to back too Mm -hmm. so i just kind of i noted that that that's interesting and they kind of do that throughout the film where it's like the darker moments with these lighter very comedic moments so yeah and i think i think that might be part of also why the darker moments feel so dark Mm-hmm. Is because you you're kind of not ready for them, right? Yeah, it's like, like yeah, like like you're you're kind of unprepared to see something extremely violent happen. Exactly. Yeah. But but um, it, it, but the scenes don't play out in a way where the violence feels unwarranted. It feels like it belongs in the story. They just kind of yeah. in a similar way to like like I know we've talked about we haven't talked about him on this show, but I know you and I have talked about him extensively. Is in a similar way like David Lynch might do, particularly mm-hmm. on a Twin Peaks. Or, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. something like uh, maybe a, a Blue Velvet, where you'll get a mm-hmm. really goofy, funny scene. <laughs> and then the next thing, you know, you'll, you'll see someone just being, like, yeah. brutalized. Something very extreme. Yeah. yeah definitely. And, and it just it just Yeah, it he does that you. a lot, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like that kind of... Because it keeps you on your toes. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I had mentioned the Coen brothers before to you. Yeah. Me. Um, I also mm-hmm. kind of get that vibe, because something like um, No Country for Old Men, where yeah. 
you know, it's like there's moments that are kind of funny and comedic, yeah. and then there's like these really harsh, violent yeah. moments, and they do that a lot as even, well. Even like a Barton Fink, which I actually rewatched Barton Fink, only about yeah, a week I mean, ago. Yeah, yeah, a lot of their movies. Um, yeah. Fargo, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of yeah, Fargo, work. yeah, for sure. Um, and it kind of has that vibe. Yeah, and I, I like that. It keeps you on your toes. I like mm-hmm. it. It's um, I like it when I don't know what's going to happen next in a yeah. movie. So, mm-hmm. um, very unpredictable. So, um, so he's. Obviously, tor- uh, Lee is torturing this executive, and he accuses him eventually of using telepathy to make his girlfriend leave, because mm-hmm. she eventually c- goes somewhere. And um, we actually, th- there's a motif I wanted to talk to ask you about, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the use of the song "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." Yeah, the, we hear it a few times throughout the film, kind of usually just in the background. I think mm-hmm. it starts the film; uh, it opens the film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is the significance of that song? Um, so I don't know. I had a couple of thoughts on that. The first, obviously, being the somewhere over the rainbow, kind of taken literally, like something about another place. The other um, side, so yeah. in, in reference to aliens, and, and, and so that's that to me is obviously that's like the most obvious um, kind of yep. interpretation. Then there's kind of the somewhere over the rainbow, as in like existing in some kind of la la land, existing mm-hmm. in your own thoughts, your own head. Um, obviously, yeah. Wizard of Oz. A spoiler alert, you know, I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah, know if we have to. Seen Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, seen one, but, yeah, I mean, maybe, uh, yeah, I guess people haven't. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's a story that kind of exists in a character's head and dreams. Essentially, um, yeah. Essentially. So, but also so, in another world, sort of. Also in another world. So that's kind yeah. of goes back to, um, it, it kind of goes back to Lee's, that, that thing where we're not sure if he's existing in reality or. Yeah, it's also like he's gone to the deep end, sort of. Like he's on the mm-hmm. other side of his own mind in a way. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I, I also think that it's, it's an interesting choice. I don't know if it, related to meaning. Well, I mean, it's all related to meaning, but I think it, it's an interesting choice for me personally, because, um, because it doesn't feel like it totally fits with the tone yeah. of the film. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And, but that kind of goes with the tone of the film of this idea yeah, of contrasting images. Exactly. The fact um, that it doesn't fit. Makes it fit, yeah. So I don't know. I didn't, was yeah. was there was there like kind of another interpretation you had of that, Mark? Honestly, I, I hadn't. You know, I hadn't thought too much about it because I wanted to talk about it with you. And mm-hmm. I I think what we just mentioned was kind of. I mean, I'm assuming what they were going for. You know, the double meaning of over the rainbow, like mm-hmm. another world, another planet, but also mm-hmm. another like going to the extremes of of one's mind or yeah. You know, um, well, and there's something that, like that. But, that really great title sequence. Um, where like you know that somewhere over the rainbow is playing, but it's kind of like a rock and roll version of it, like a punk yeah. version. Um, which is which one? And there's there's a one shot. It's it's so funny because um, and for for the Ari Aster fans out there, this movie is just full of shots that he has um, borrowed. And, and there's there's one in that sequence that's in Midsummer when uh, and I won't spoil that movie, but like kind of early on in that movie where they're going to a destination that they're getting away from their normal life. And there's this shot that's uh, it's it's the camera's upside down, and kind of just the, it's it's from a car's point of view, and and that it, it's upside down traveling down this road, and you get this feeling that you're you're driving into some kind of upside down crazy world, and and that's in this too. Um, but I think paired in this in, in Midsummer, it's kind of more of an ominous shot. In this one, I think that shot paired with um, that kind of rock and roll somewhere over the rainbow, it gives you this this like you're about to enter craziness like you you, yeah. you, you better get ready because mm-hmm. and, and at that point we've already seen some pretty crazy stuff we've already seen like uh 
like like Lee Lee Byung-gu's entire conspiracy theory. We've seen him kidnap someone, and then yeah. they're like, "All right, get ready." Well, so, <laughs> so yeah, I like the punk version they use, but also just the tranquility of that other the slower version yeah. they use. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not I'm not sure. If, I mean, I've seen that movie a million times. I'm not sure if that's the the official version or not, but mm-hmm. uh, that was that was used in the film. But just the nostalgia and the tranquility of that song, I thought maybe there's an mm-hmm. element that you know maybe. Because they, they do kind of delve into, um, well, not delve into, but they, they touch mm-hmm. on the main character Lee's uh, past, his childhood. with yeah. his, you know Obviously, there's like that strong connection to his mother. Um, and maybe it's just me projecting because that's my mom's favorite movie, Wizard of Oz. So yeah. like it just, it just recalls those kind of things for me. Mm-hmm. so um, And I'm sure it does for a lot of people because a lot of people grew up watching that movie. Um, and I just feel like maybe there's some element to that, like the innocence of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And, and this is, this is a, a, you know, kind of bigger conversation about intertextuality and how the, the cultural references that we already have, we bring to the media that we interact with. Um, sure. I, I heard a quote recently, I don't remember who it was. Um, if, if we think of it, if I think of it, I'll, I'll say it. But uh, they were talking about casting. And they were saying that when, oh, you know what it was? I, it was a video I saw about the movie Under the Silver Lake. And the casting of uh, Andrew Garfield in that mm-hmm. movie. I don't have you seen that movie, Mark? I have it. I was I was looking at it. Yeah. Recently, though. Um, but 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 you know, without spoiling it, it's about a, a guy who's kind of a, a drifter, mm-hmm. and you know, not a real success. And then you have this guy who's a movie star who's played a superhero, and 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 how when you cast an actor, you you're not just casting the actor; you're casting that actor's entire career. <laughs> And everything they've done yeah. until that point. You're casting Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like, yeah. you know, like Boogie Nights, the casting mm-hmm. of Burt Reynolds. Oh, yeah. The seven, Tom, like, Tom Cruise in Magnolia. Yeah, yeah, or like, you know, like John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. As soon as he starts mm-hmm. dancing, we're like, yes. oh, shit, you know. Certain John, John actors Travolta's are just, dancing. Yeah, um, like larger than life, sort of. And I, and I think certain pieces of music do the same thing. And I yeah. think what's kind of brilliant about this, and it wouldn't necessarily work with any piece of music that we already know, you know, if, if he had thrown in... I don't know the the American national anthem. It wouldn't right. have it would have a very different effect. It would um, have a, yeah, different effect. It might still be interesting, but it would have a very different yeah. effect. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that that's such a loaded piece of music that not yeah. everybody necessarily has experience with, but it's but, sort of in the subconscious of yeah, a lot of people. You yeah. probably have an awareness of that song if you in have a general way. knowledge of popular world media, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and because of that, everybody is going to bring something a little different to the table. But it's yeah. going to pluck at your heartstrings because it's something that you've heard since you were a child. Mm-hmm. And you have your own experiences, whether it be The Wizard of Oz, whether it be a parent playing it, um, and then flipping it on its head and pairing it with a story that's so wild and destructive. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's hard to say exactly what it means, but it, but it's yeah. it's certainly evocative and, and yeah. uh, bold. And like, yeah, but bold for sure. And like you said, it's that disassociation that kind of makes it work for this film because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of that going on um so lee at this point he uh, <laughs> he's essentially about to probe the alien that he's kidnapped um he's lubing it up getting it ready and uh, i'm not sure exactly what his plan was here i think just more torture uh, at this point but the uh the executive is able to break free at this point and escape which he does a couple times yeah um I don't think uh, Lee was very good at tying knots or constraining people. No, um, <laughs> but that, I, that, I think that's part of the fun, though. Things. I think it's oh, part yeah. of the fun, like, though. Well, again, it's, it's like... that yeah, that element like you never know it's messy. what's going to happen, or mm-hmm. yeah, like things are all over the place. So yeah, so the executive um, 
is able to break free at this point, escape, and he actually thinks he's killed Lee because I think he's uh, he's knocked him to the ground. And, and Jeremy, you had mentioned this part before to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kicking. He has him on the ground. He's kicking him while he's on the ground. And it's yeah. just like this. It's almost like a funny. It's like a cathartic. Mm-hmm. But then it be, kind of becomes almost comical because he just he really goes off and just really <laughs> starts kicking him. And he starts. Isn't he, I think he said there's like a pause. I, I well, like, like I think I think the idea is that that uh, Lee Byung has died. Like right. he has he has like, killed. He him. actually has died at this point. He yeah. actually has killed him, but mm-hmm. by kicking him repeatedly <laughs> he out of anger, he accidentally resuscitates him. Yeah, he accidentally um, kickstarts his heart. And... Yeah, literally kickstarts his heart. <laughs> he does, and, and then Lee is able to snap back to life. Which is yeah. such a, it's such a creative, and that's that's one thing we were talking a little bit before the show. Um, that 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 those kind of gags or set pieces, um, it, it's almost like Marx Brothers esque. Yeah, in its absurdity, sure. but like I feel like that—that's another thing. And, and you know, I, I'm not trying to like group uh, directors together, but you—you you know, you talk about directors like, um, you know, like like a Bong Joon Ho or or uh, a Park Chan Wook or in this case Jang Jun Hwan, and you know, these are all directors who are making movies in the same country around the same time. So yeah. you know that there's going to be a certain kind of grouping and awareness. Um, and and I feel like that kind of gag, that kind of very visual. Uh, visceral gag is something it's like in um in parasite uh there's a whole thing with peaches and a character being allergic to peaches and just like in in a moment where it seems like you already understand why that detail is there and then you know it's tough without spoiling it but like like a detail like that will come back and you'll get this really awesome visual gag that's thrown in the middle of a really dramatic frantic scene and it's the same thing in this yeah. film. It's just so full of great, great it, visual gags. It also reminded me a bit of uh, this film is more comedic, obviously, but eating Raul, which mm-hmm. we've talked about on this, yeah. on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of visual gags. there, kind of like a dark comedy where a lot of slapstick is going on um, involving cannibalism and murder and all that yeah. kind of fun stuff. So yeah, it kind of has that feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. And this part, yeah. So he, the executive Kang is able uh, by kicking him and kind of laying into him so much, he ac- actually ends up, re- like you said, resuscitating him. Mm-hmm. And Lee kind of jumps up and he's able to gain the advantage again and proceeds to actually lock the executive up this time, mm-hmm. um, stick- sticking him with a needle that makes him uh, become weak and pass out. Mm-hmm. And he's also filming it, which is interesting, but then that, that kind of comes into play in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's filming him passing out. And we, you know, then we see the detective. Now, this was a very Hitchcockian uh, mm-hmm. moment to me, or a scene, I guess, sequence, uh, where the detective, the older Inspector Chu, actually shows up at his door. Now, this may have just been me missing it. Did he? Uh, was he? Did he know where he was going, or was that more of like he actually stumbled upon it, kind of thing? Do you know for sure? I, about I that? think there's a lot of things to absorb in this movie. I think he knew where he was going. Okay. Or either that, or he was looking for something in that area because of certain clues and hints, okay. and kind of stumbled. I, so I he think was. That, I think okay. there was some purpose. Okay. To him going um, there and well, it's definitely not it. what he said, which was that he was. Um, what did he say? He said he was trying to arrest someone or, or something or he was searching for someone. I think so. Yeah. I don't or know. maybe maybe he yeah maybe he did stumble upon it because yeah. it it could go either way. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not well, because they they never really tell you exactly. They never really I, tell I, you. And if yeah. they do, you know, once again, it's a movie where there's a lot to absorb, so it's it's possible we've missed a detail yeah. that makes it clear. But it, it seems like there's a lot going on. They kind of leave it so you could. You're you're not sure whether he's actually genuinely stumbled upon this place yeah. or. Well, either way, it's uh, yeah. 
it's an interesting setup. Um, yeah. And so he, he comes to the door and he, when he rings the door, there's like this sort of alarm system that Lee has set up um, to alert him. And this comes into play a couple of times in the film. Um, and also the imprisoned Kang sees it or, you know, I guess hears the noise and he's, he starts to, uh, to try to crawl over to this opening, which is sort of like a little grate that's on the ground um, right uh, in between where the detective and Lee are standing. So at the door essentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, there's a scene of him reaching up. And I thought this was like one of those comedic, like darkly comedic moments, mm -hmm. but also a lot of suspense going on. Yeah. Um, he's, he's trying to alert the detective and he's, his hand is reaching up and we see the hand coming up. And there's, there's all this tension as they're kind of talking to each other and, and Lee's trying to play it cool mm -hmm. and he ends up stomping down on the hand. And <laughs> um, so it's, again, some good tension and, and comedy here. And, and that sort of release when, when he stomps on the hand and, uh, and like, so yeah, stuff like that. Um, I really enjoyed. And also uh, again, when I say Hitchcock, I mean, you know, I think of like psycho or, or some, you know, yeah. um, not only does one of the main characters get killed. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't call this, inspector the main character but he's pretty important to the plot mm -hmm. um so he ends up um as you said getting killed by bees, bees yeah. um and falling off a cliff or getting pushed off a cliff rather yeah. mm -hmm. um or he may have fell either way uh lee has has made this happen with the bees because i guess lee is also a beekeeper which I lee, lee has a lot of uh, uh yeah a lot of hobbies a lot of ho he makes mannequins he makes mannequins, right? Uh, yeah, he keeps he, himself busy. He, he, you know, um, he's, he's a he's a real crafty guy. <laughs> he's a crafty guy. He's a very either crafty that guy. or or he stumbled upon all this stuff and yeah, just kind of kept it there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but oh, there's also a scene of, of them getting drunk. Him and the inspector, they're kind of mm -hmm. just hanging out and having dinner together, and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and Lee shows him like a, a book about aliens, about you know humanoid aliens, which and, is, uh, is a very funny scene because that's what what yeah. a great way to so break. Like, but also build tension. It's yeah, and like, it's almost like he, he's almost like he's like a child when it when yeah. he shows it to him. Like he's like very enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. Like, look at my book, and uh, shows him his transmitter to, to communicate with the aliens. Well, it, so, it's it's funny because it, it, like what's so fun about that moment is that you think that because to that point you've seen that he doesn't want the detective to know what's going on, so you mm -hmm. think that him talking to the detective and everything that he's doing will be all about withholding information from the detective. And then he yeah. turns around and tells him everything up to, mm -hmm. I have a guy in my basement. Right. Like, like he tells him everything. And and he does, essentially, yeah. And, and whether or not the detective is there intentionally or not, mm -hmm. the, the tension comes from, and the enjoyment, really, of the scene and the whole sequence is that, Again, I'm gonna keep saying Hitchcock, but it just it's, it's something that he did all the time mm -hmm. where the audience knows more than at least one of the characters in the scene. Yeah. Sometimes both, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, like we, we always knew what was going on, but um, as we're watching it play out, that's mm -hmm. where the tension comes in, you know, and the way they interact yeah. with each other. So, mm -hmm. um, so this basically culminates in the detective. Uh, he becomes, <laughs> I guess, attacked, <laughs> swarmed by bees um, uh, as Lee kind of shows him these bees and throws them, and throws them at him. And he does end up falling off a cliff and covered in the bees. Covered. Great and, shot. Uh, really great, great shot. shot there. I, actually, I think I, I cracked up at that part. Mm -hmm. But also the uh, dissolve here. There's a dissolve in the editing to the his dog eating unknown meat, which I'm assuming mm -hmm. is quote unquote alien meat. Alien meat. Um, so that was a good <laughs> little yeah. little dissolve there. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was a that was a fun scene. Well, and that, so, yeah. well that that's our, our our answer to the question though is why did we get introduced to this dog earlier and get yeah, that little scene? It, comes <laughs> back. it does yeah. come back. So yeah. Um, I mean, he has a couple friends. He has uh, a couple companions, I guess. He has mm -hmm. his dog, his girlfriend. Uh, 
And so at this point, the younger detective, Inspector Kim, ends up taking over the investigation. Um, and he, you know, he's able to eventually crack it. But at, uh, first, we, we go back to the, the prisoner, Kang, who wakes up uh, to find himself essentially uh, crucified. Mm-hmm. As we talked about earlier, he's, he's uh, yeah, so that happens. Uh, he's, <laughs> um, he's, yeah, his arms are up and, you know, he's got the nails through them. And, and um, in, a, in a desperate plea to save his legs from being axed. Now, is this a misery reference? Because mm, we do, mm-hmm. we do know this director was influenced by, by misery. And did we, did we mention that yet? Uh, we hadn't. Um, so yeah, this, the director, Jun Huan Jang, uh, he was very influenced by misery. Um, he saw that film and I guess he, he wanted a little more backstory to the actual, um, kidnapper. Cause he thought that maybe it was a little bit lacking in that film or maybe it would, you know, cause he, he wanted to make us really feel for the person, which mm-hmm. I think he achieved. Oh, yeah. As we've talked about. Yeah, so there's that moment where, you know, the misery where she, I forget, is it an axe or like it's like part of, is it the back of the axe? Because that's what he ends up using. Yeah, I can't remember. It's been a long yeah, time. Yeah, but, but she uses something to um, to to break his legs, essentially, uh, the captor. So so there's that moment here where it's kind of the same thing. And I, I thought it was kind of like a fun take on it because it's, he starts to raise the axe and you know what he's about to do. And the man just kind of tells him. Uh, about his mother he says she's in a coma and there's an antidote you know in the trunk of his car um so it definitely seems like a desperate plea here um and at that moment lee actually like turns the, the axe around and he says something mm-hmm. like well this is for trying to get away yeah. you know i still need to and he still need to punish you and then he just whacks him with the, right, the, uh, shin. the other side of the axe yeah, yeah. so that was kind of like Sort of a misery moment, but a little mm-hmm. bit different. So I thought, there, I like there was another great moment there too, right before it, where when mm-hmm. um, uh, Kang realizes that he's about to have his leg chopped off with an axe, he says, "It's true, I'm an alien." And Lee just goes, "Who said you weren't?" <laughs> Which I thought was just such a funny line. <laughs> like, of course you're an alien. Like, yeah, it's like that's what I've been saying this whole time. This. Like, right. yeah, you could you've been denying it, but like I've known the whole time. There, right. There, there is a lot of another thing too is because the writing of this movie is just so bizarre. Is mm-hmm. is like there's a lot of like funny dialogue. Yeah. You know, and, and just like it's like because he of... believes he so believes what he's doing that yeah he's just mm-hmm. some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth is. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. it's just so silly, but like he has just such and that, and that once again going back to performance, it is that conviction where mm-hmm. like you you could see another actor even with that same line kind of For showing sure. some hesitation, like oh like who said you weren't, but showing doubt, but mm-hmm. like 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 uh, Shin Ha Kyun portraying Lee here just has such like it's like who said you weren't, like he just he just mm-hmm. like has a, just took... zero doubt in his mind. Exactly. Yeah. That this guy's an alien. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah, that's, that's. I mean, his performance is awesome. Um, and so now <laughs> this is a scene we actually talked about a little bit earlier where this executive is able to escape, but not by the best means. He mm-hmm. uh, essentially, you know, because he's been, uh, I guess he shot him with something that made him not feel pain which was very nice of Lee. Um, so mm-hmm. he kind of repeats that over and over to himself as he's like building himself up, you know, and he pulls his hands out through the nails, which has got to hurt, even if you are, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Dope, Pretty dope numbed out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but he's, so he's able to kind of delve deeper into Lee's bunker slash lab, underground laboratory, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he finds evidence of, of many past victims, uh, hands and brains and jars, 
which kind of reminded me of like a science, like a mad scientist lab in an older mm-hmm. movie or something like that. Um, there's also torture footage. And so that kind of reveals why he was filming him earlier. Um, and there's been like a lot of victims. It seems like it's not just one or two. Yeah, it seems tons, like yeah. uh, a good amount. So, um, so again, now this would be something else that you're like, this is a horror film and I'm scared and I don't want this, you know, I want this person to get away and I want, um, I want Lee to get caught, you know, and that's, that's kind of where my mind was at, at this point. Like mm-hmm. this guy needs to get away. And, you know, even though he might be a slimy executive, he, no one deserves this. So, yeah. um, so he starts reading through the journals and the executive discovers, uh, more about Lee's traumatic, traumatic past, which we talked about a little bit about his father and, and, um, being beaten in school and, um, you know, he showed some early signs of violence. He actually stabs like a, a fellow schoolmate with a kitchen knife. And, um, so, and then again, now his mother, I'm a little less clear on. I don't know if, if it's intentional or not. Um, maybe one of our viewers can inform us, but, mm-hmm. um, his, uh, I have it here that his mother was then poisoned and, uh, at a protest, his former girlfriend was beaten to death. So that's another thing that happens to Lee. And um, he slowly went mad, essentially, from the, the violence that surrounded him. And that's another uh, theme, I guess, is just like the violence uh, mm-hmm. that humans are capable of and the evil things that humans are capable of. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you do and you do feel for him um, mm-hmm. a little bit more after that. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. We, and we get that kind of that deep dive down the rabbit hole where we get the entire history of which which I actually really enjoyed even more the second time watching this was this yeah. this kind of, you know, we we every, we, we kind of got the story of humanity th- through the scope of these Andromedan, if that's the word, aliens. And like, mm-hmm. we got an explanation for Noah's Ark, you know, like we got an explanation mm-hmm. for like World War II. We just get like this crazy scope. But I think if this movie has a, I think this movie, it, this is one of those weird movies where you could probably make the case that it's not about anything and is just pure insane entertainment. <laughs> but you could also make the case that it's about a lot of things. Um, and I, but I think if if it had kind of one main thing to say, it's that play between like the humans do such nasty, terrible things to each other, but they're also full of compassion and the ability to be sweet to each other Mm -hmm. and how that would look to someone from the outside and how that's confusing. Right. Um, because, because to us it, it seems normal. Um, I don't want to say normal, but it seems like it is part of our reality that like humans go to war and humans kill each other and humans, you know, backstab and all do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But to, uh, you know, an individual who doesn't come from that kind of culture, that seems like madness. Um, yeah. The only thing, I mean, those parts really work for me, the flashbacks, but I, the only thing I wish that there was more of a connection to maybe is why aliens? Like, why is he fixated on aliens in particular so much? And, and also the relation to executives. Yeah. Um, and I thought that maybe that could have been explored a little bit more or mm-hmm. at least attempted to be. It, it seemed like either they didn't want to explain it or I don't know. I don't know if that was a missed opportunity, but I feel like that connection never fully mm-hmm. gelled for me. And maybe it's something I missed in my first watch through or yeah. I'm not sure. But um uh, that was one thing that I thought maybe could have been developed a little bit more, but maybe also it's just an arbitrary focus, you know, for his, his anger and his um, revenge, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. maybe it's just, um, you know, yeah. he, it seems like he's interested in, in aliens. He has a book and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. So maybe it's just, he was interested in that sort of thing or mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but um, anyway, 
sort of it's, i guess it could also be seen as like a scapegoat like i'm just gonna blame it on these aliens <laughs> like, yeah you know, we don't really know we, could, we never really find out but um we mm -hmm. do find out a lot about his past like i said um and as this is happening not only is lee rushing to the hospital with his antidote for his mother um he uh the the detective's partner um the younger one arrives and finds the frantic executive um and at this point so lee is at the hospital with his mother and he gives he actually gives her the antidote and his mother dies from it because um, mm -hmm. she she just passes away right there uh, and so that's an interesting development and of course lee is much angrier now even more so well did you so much, that, that was that, that was something i was wondering so did we think that that was actually an antidote or because i forget what he called I, it but i think it was just some kind of well, chemical thing. well when we find out it's all you know essentially real it's like yeah you look at that differently like what exactly that? yeah because in um, the moment i'm like oh like this guy's just trying to trick him into leaving for a while and yeah. like and like my thinking is oh if he like accidentally like kills his mom or something maybe he gets caught doing that maybe they lock him up and start doing a yeah. search and you know or maybe he administered it wrong or yeah i mean it could yeah. be a lot of things but yeah, yeah i guess i guess it is vague because it, it could have been it an actual kind of antidote vague, yeah for sure yeah mm -hmm. um so uh, we also see at this point his girlfriend, uh, Suni, uh, she's uh, doing a high wire act, performing, mm -hmm. I guess. And she actually falls and uh, she decides to go back to help Lee. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, things really amp up towards the ending. And um, the young detective starts to make these connections and he breaks into the lab and, like I said, finds the executive. Um, and at this point, Lee returns and there's sort of a standoff here as, um, as he points a gun at them. And the detective points one right back at, at him. And this is when Suni comes back, his girlfriend, and uh, does what can only be described uh, as an aerobatic assault, I mm -hmm. guess. Uh, flipping is involved. And she eventually is able to pin the detective to the ground with her legs around his head. Um, and I liked this part where, you know, I think Lee starts screaming, like, why won't you leave me alone? Why? Why? And he's just like, you know, I think he's really reached the end of his rope at this point. Um, and it's just, it's just the, the juxtaposition of him saying, leave me alone when he's the one capturing and torturing people is, is also interesting. Yeah. Um, and then this is, so this is a scene where the executive Kang tells him everything, essentially, you know, mm -hmm. quote unquote, everything, uh, which we don't know if it's real still at this point, but he's definitely detailed. He goes into a whole story about uh, the aliens, essentially he tells him about, tells him all about the alien King, the green planet, uh, the atomic war, uh, you know how there were dinosaurs and it, it essentially mimics our history um but a, apparently instead of like a god you know as as many believe in uh i guess it was like this alien uh this king alien who kind of set in motion everything um, the 75th on, on king <laughs> the 75th king yes the 75th king. um <laughs> um and yeah because there's a huge arc that's built you know much like noah's ark uh, with genetic samples from humans um and life began again but with a curse so that would be our timeline. Um, and after much debate, the aliens uh, gave humans one last chance and thus starts, you know, where, where we kind of come into the story here. And basically what I took from this was that humans are insane, <laughs> violent, chaotic, you know, and because um, we over this, we see images of, you know, Hitler, the Holocaust and all these atrocities from the past. And um they the aliens just want to eliminate the suicidal gene essentially mm -hmm. <laughs> that's all they're trying to do yeah uh they're here to experiment on us and yeah to to, to um get rid see of that the, gene they're always trying to see i think how i took it is they're trying to see if they could make humans a little bit better make and them a little bit better yeah they kind of fail <laughs> they couldn't they, really make they them do, better eventually <laughs> yeah and essentially at this point we realize or we learn that 
Lee's life, his whole life has been an experiment, which is kind of what he uh, had a feeling was going on. Kind of what he said. Yeah, he was was pretty (laughs) spot on. And now the executive says you can take him to meet the prince, the alien prince. So now, yeah, at this point, it's like, is he lying? What's going on? It's a pretty elaborate lie. Um, Only, but at this point, we do see that... um, (laughs) Lee looks over and kind of makes a connection in his head. He's and he sees all the you know materials and the books and whatever they left out um, that he assumed that the exec- executive was looking at, and so he kind of goes, "Oh yeah, you're trying to trick me." Um, so there's really only one way to prove it, um, and that's what they have to go. Um, Lee has to travel with the executive uh, to go back to the lab, the pharmaceutical facility, um, and. Now, by doing this, they're going to. So, what were they trying to get here? There was the the essentially the or was, was he just going to show him the you know the experiments or or what was he going to show him? I, I think I think that's what the idea. Or, or taking or taking him to the prince. I guess. Yeah, I think he was taking him to the prince. Was. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes with them, and <laughs> the detective stays there. And since he's heard everything, um, Lee says something like, "You know, take care of Earth," which he's talking about the dog. But I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, because he was saying, like, you know, the, the detective's the only other one who knows everything if, if him and his girlfriend fail or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything's up to him. Um, so they travel to um, this facility. The de- detective's able to break free. Um, and, again, it seems like Lee is not the best at constraining people. No. <laughs> but um, I feel like this happens a few times. But So anyway, so they get to the pharmaceutical facility, and they get into a struggle, um, Kang and and Lee and the executive is again able to beat Lee. He actually beats him down and it, he actually kills him at this point for, or we think he's been killed again, mm-hmm. <laughs> much like the earlier he, scene. He's bad at constraining people, but good at surviving. Good at surviving death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause he, he is not dead, but the detectives arrives just in time. And as Lee's about to shoot the executive, the detective is actually able to shoot Lee mm-hmm. Now he's actually dead. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure at first. I was like, he's still going to come back. But no, he, no, he's actually dead at this point. Um, and I think his girlfriend actually, I don't know, was she shot or she does actually end up getting killed as well? I think she she, she dies in an elaborate um, crane claw oh. Oh. incident. How did I forget about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I think, I don't, I don't know if I looked away or I looked back and she was dead. So I, I kind of missed something there. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so she essentially gets killed at this point too. So. They're both dead. Um, and Lee is, you know, as he's dying, he's left to wonder who will save Earth now. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so this is like, this was my favorite part of the movie because this is what I was secretly hoping would happen. And you kind of have it in your head. Like this movie's really out there and off the wall. So you, mm-hmm. it could happen that this could all be real. And as the detective and the executive and everyone or, you know, the other police police people that are there as they're all walking out of the facility going to the cars to drive away we kind of get this overhead shot and just them walking and talking and then all of a sudden <laughs> these laser beams shoot down from the sky uh and kills everyone except for the executive mm-hmm. and he uh and, and i actually like laughed and was clapping at that point yeah, I, just, great. I thought that was good like it, it's just like I kind of knew it was going to happen, but when it actually happens, it's just like so yeah. zany and and out of, out of nowhere that it just was so perfect. Because <laughs> so, they kind of make you think it's not going to happen for a second. Yeah, and and like we talked about, I think it was before we started recording, but we talked about Jeremy how there's so many times where you, for a second, they let you believe that it's all real. Yeah, and then 
they quickly go back on that with something else and you're like, oh, maybe it's not. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of back and forth, but that's kind of what the plot hinges on and mm-hmm. what the entertainment of, you know, the, of the film hinges on. So I think it was really well done. Um, so up until this moment, you still don't really know what's going to happen. But yeah. uh, then once those, <laughs> those laser beams come down and um, the executive opens his arms up to the sky and this big UFO arrives and it actually, I guess, beams him up because he just goes up into the UFO. And um, so at this point, we're like full on sci-fi, whatever you want to call it. Like we are in the spaceship. We're seeing all the devices and the different, you know, I guess there's only a couple aliens there. But uh, again, apparently Lee was right this whole time. The whole time. <laughs> um, and only the only thing that he didn't know was that the executive was the king mm-hmm. alien. Um, and he orders the uh the other alien there to stop the experiments and that planet is hopeless <laughs> yeah and it's bye-bye earth unfortunately the dog too which was a real bummer yeah yeah i know i just hate to see the dog you know? i know i know um maybe Agreed. that's why i thought of independence day with this movie because maybe yeah <laughs> but um yeah so earth is blown up and that's the end and then uh we get this little montage over the credits of the happier moments from Lee's childhood mm-hmm. and his past. So, which is an interesting statement, yeah. I think, because we have the alien looking at it and saying, you know, these people are helpless. And, mm-hmm. and oh yeah. yeah, and then we kind of see, you know, maybe there is some good mm-hmm. there. And you know what? It's That's, easy to overlook. I didn't even think of that because I, yeah. I was wondering why they did that. That's a, yeah, yeah. It's like these little moments that are that are nice and yeah, like yeah, like the maybe. good is there despite all the evil. Mm-hmm. There it's there are little there. sweet things that happen. So it's an optimistic movie. It, well, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't I say that maybe, but it, yeah. I, I think like like everything else in this movie, you get one side of the coin and then you get <laughs> the other, and you're left yeah. to decide how, what you think it is. There's a hint of optimism. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's certainly one of those movies that stays with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've noticed that. I, I keep thinking about it. I mean, mm-hmm. the night I watched it, I was like having dreams about it. It's, yeah. it's just one of those movies that just kind of yeah. gets lodged in your brain and and. Um, and I'm interested because you saw it twice, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, how was that second watch? Was it, you know, it was interesting. It, it's I, I, the type of movie that I feel like you could go back to. Yeah, no, it was definitely a lot of, a lot of little moments that I didn't necessarily, or I maybe caught, I don't know. It, it's, it's the thing. It's kind of the thing with any movie with a twist mm-hmm. where when you watch it a second time, knowing that that is there, yeah. you kind of can only see like all <laughs> yeah. of the things that they were setting up. You can never watch it. The yeah, same way you can never watch time. it the same way. Yeah. You, you know how it's good. So you're so you're trying to see like, oh, like did they tip their hand at any point? Was there anything mm-hmm. that I should have caught? How did I not catch that? Those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'd be curious to watch it again. I think that's part of why it's a, it actually is a cult film because mm-hmm. you could, you know, I think well, not only how offbeat and zany it is, <laughs> but yeah. um, it's definitely rewatchable. It seems like so. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a really cool thing. Yeah. And this this director um, now again I haven't seen anything else by him, Jin Kwon Jang. But um, his first film, so I, I did find a little bit of a connection here because his first film he made uh, that he wrote and directed was The Quiet Family, which mm. came out in 1998, and that film was loosely remade as The Happiness of the Katakuris. Oh really? Uh, which was by yeah Takashi oh, Miike. I didn't realize um, that. Which I have seen, so I have seen that movie. Because when yeah. I was reading the the plot of the Quiet Family, I'm like, this sounds a lot like. So mm-hmm. um, that was interesting. I didn't even. I don't think I even realized that was a remake. But yeah, so that I mean, wow. The happiness of the <laughs> Katakuris is uh, cool. Really off the wall. It's it's um, it's like a uh, a musical comedy that's also very insane and very violent. Yeah. Um, and with horror elements as well. But if you know that 
director Takashi Miike. Um, <laughs> you can kind of expect. Yeah, you kind of expect that, but um, definitely worth checking out. Um, and that is really um, all I wanted to say. I, I, you know, we said a lot about the movie. Um, uh, the one thing I noticed, uh, just from like a storytelling standpoint, Jeremy, mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, we always try to look at it from like a filmmaker perspective. Um, there's certainly a lot of character development, but the film, again, it takes its time revealing things, yeah. um, which I thought was interesting. Like mm-hmm. for a while, you know, as an audience member, you're just not sure what to make of, of anything really. Um, not only the main character, but like, are these other people lying or what does this detective know? You know, but um, it does become clear as the film progresses. And I think at the very end, you do eventually know most of, of what you were, you know, most of the answers. So, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it definitely took its time and, and it was a intriguing watch and it definitely kept my attention the whole time. So mm-hmm. thank you for recommending it. Yeah, were, no, I'm glad you were glad right on with it. my taste. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, and it was a good one to kind of get back into the swing of things yeah. here. So. Um, did you have any any final words you wanted to say about this film? No, or nothing. I think we fit on a lot of it. I think for me, yeah. you know, as a filmmaker, a lot of what I connected with this film uh, personally was uh, the stylistic elements. Uh, you know, I like I like I really enjoyed the story, and and the same thing. The story kind of keeps bouncing around in my head, just because, especially as we mentioned in the age of conspiracy theories, I think seeing <laughs> one played out to its Mm-hmm. full conclusion and, and how that can kind of go awry is interesting. But I think mm-hmm. so much of what I enjoyed about this movie is just how bold it is stylistically, um, how at every opportunity to introduce information, it was presented visually. There's almost no exposition in this movie that's spoken. And even mm-hmm. if there is, what's happening, they, 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 they bury the exposition in an interesting way. Yeah, you know, like I mean, the movie opens with exposition, but we're doing this cool slideshow thing, like he's making a presentation, and like mm-hmm. it, it's like the, yeah, the, I like the, that opening a lot. Yeah, yeah the, the movie it, it's just it's just a movie that's so rich with visual communication, which is mm-hmm. something that I think gets overlooked a lot and not talked about enough. I think there's mm-hmm. the, the the classic you know show don't tell show thing. don't tell. Yep. But I think a lot of for a lot of people, they don't take it this far. You know, like they, like this movie shows every idea in an interesting and inventive way. And I like that even when they show the flashbacks and they show things that happened in his past, mm-hmm. they don't linger on it. Like it's not, no. you know, it, it's yeah. more, it really is like flashes of things mm-hmm. that happened to him, which, you know, there's pros and cons. I mean, you because of that, maybe you don't get all the information that you normally would in, in mm-hmm. like a scene of a flashback or something. Yeah. But I feel like you get enough. Like you, you absorb enough to know. Uh-huh what's going on so yeah um, again just the techniques yeah like you said at play here um mm-hmm. just really interesting and, and a very entertaining film very and yeah. um, <laughs> any movie where i don't know what's going to happen next um yeah it's a fun always watch. keeps my interest yeah mm-hmm. so um thanks again for recommending it yeah. and uh well maybe do a couple more of these we'll see maybe you'll recommend one next time that i yeah, have oh seen I've, i definitely have some i could recommend um yeah. Maybe we should do happiness of the categories now. Yeah, no, I, I I watched like the first like ten or fifteen minutes, and I just I wasn't in the headspace to handle. Yeah, that movie. you gotta be. You gotta so be. I, I would like to go back and actually watch the whole thing. It is a long one too. It's pretty yeah. long, but um, yeah, you gotta be in the right headspace for sure. But mm-hmm. anyway, we'll uh, yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. Figure out what we're gonna do next here on the show. But in the meantime, thanks for returning and listening to Cult Movie Cult. You can find us on the usual social media. And if you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, or if you'd like to officially join the cult, be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult at gmail.com. 
This has been Colt Movie Colt, and until next time, so long from the other side.